Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Kenny, I feel like I should start this segment off with with one of these. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> yeah, what did I get myself into? Pete Wood, our logger, is here during the Let the Sawduff, Sawdust Fly segment, and yes. I'm learning that Pete is driving a bus in the, in the uh, bus races Saturday in Proctor. He's got a cool bus. It's yeah. kind of uh, kind of light green. Looks I, On the video, it looked like a yellowish green to me. But on the top of it, in big, bold letters, it says, 710 Talk Radio, Let the Sawdust Fly. Oh, no, does it? Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for having us back again. Now, uh, what am I getting myself into, Pete? Uh, Make sure you got a good insurance policy, and you're going to have a lot of fun. (laughs) It's uh, what happened, folks. Is uh, last I think it was last year. Proctor once a year has a bus race, and uh, I don't know if I can use his name or not. But anyway, Tim asked me if I'd be on the celebrity bus race, and I thought about what are you talking about, celebrity bus race? And he explained that they have a bus race up at Proctor every year, and it's uh, it's coming up. I think it is next weekend, like the fourth. I think it is. I think it is August fourth, Saturday, August fourth. And it's about a year later, and and I said, okay, I'll do it. I never drove a bus, I never was on a racetrack, and so uh, I almost flipped over one bus in one of the first turns. <laughs> it wasn't my bus, but uh, you get the hang of it, and it's actually a blast <laughs> because they don't go that fast, and they're kind of, you've come around the corners, and it feels like it's going to fall over list a little bit, but it really never does. By the way, Kenny, one yeah. did fall over last night. We were going to tell right him that, Brad. <laughs> and well, I imagine I, the driver up took a hit. Wearing, wearing a padded suit. And I'll be ready. Now, now let me tell you how I got out of this, because I've been asked a couple of different years now to do this, and I, I turned it over to Kenny to do. Because I said, well, you know what? I got this steel rod in my hand, and I can't uh, turn the steering wheel that well because I have no flexibility in my wrist. Use one hand. <laughs> That's what I was told, but I'm not going to do that. Because <laughs> I've seen too many of these races, and I know some of you yahoos really get rowdy and start banging into each other. And it can get it a bit a little, it can get aggressive. You've got to wear a, f- a, a helmet, and you yeah. have to wear a 5 Part harness yeah. to strap you into the seat. The seat is bolted to the frame, yeah. so yeah. you're hopefully not going to go anywhere. Yeah. But Tim is or Tim raced last night. They, they raced down in Ogilvy, uh, yeah. right? We were down in Ogilvy. It was, uh, I think, it was the troopers have a school bus inspection teaching the teachers i guess it's called or something like that okay and so they also had races and we went to ogilvy to race our buses so we hauled them down i didn't get into like 12 30 1 o'clock this morning to get back but uh i didn't race myself my son raced it and he did really well but you can tell some of the buses are jacked up pretty good you think they're just gonna be all these sleds some oh, of those buses some really power. go, actually. Yeah. You can see the black smoke roll, and they take off. Uh, unfortunate, the three of the strongest buses didn't finish the races. <laughs> well, you see, that's part of my strategy, is to hope that you, you break down and or... I'm just going to drive behind you. That's what you got to do. <laughs> I, I'm not but worried not, about winning. I'm worried about surviving. But don't do, don't do what Tim Hurstead's <laughs> wife did. Tim Hurstead's wife is a county, or I'm sorry, a city council member up in the new Rice Lake town. Well, Rice Lake, Lake. Rice Lake. city of Rice Lake. Right. Yep. And what she did is she she thought she was in a powder puff derby. She came out, got in last behind everybody else, and she made sure she stayed about a half a lap behind everybody, and she just putted along.
on. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No, she no. looked she looked uh, like yeah. a chicken. In fact, during the race, I kept going. Bark, bark, bark. I see. So I can't do I can't do that. Otherwise, no. I'll be. And uh, here's the deal: harassed. You, you, well, Monday you're going to be harassed by me big time if you don't win this <laughs> thing. Because here's the deal: you Uh-oh. know who else is in the race? Oh, who's that? Dan Hanger from Channel 11, uh, Fox News. Really. And he's kind of cocky, and he's got a little smart I mouth see. on him, and he Ooh. likes to challenge other media yeah. people that are there. So there might be a little banging coming up. If you lose the dangin' hanger, yeah. Yeah, yeah, is there a radio? Can I bring a CD and listen to my favorite music? Uh, you better look at the buses inside first before you okay. think of that. Yeah, <laughs> a little I, bit. I'm, I'm going to have to fill my head with Ted Nugent's <laughs> "Hammer Down." It's quite the interesting time. It's a good crowd pleaser. What I've noticed that the people like the most is that if they bang a little bit past one another or when they bang and they roll, it seems that as long as nobody gets hurt, it's like everybody comes wildly should we, alive. Should we give them a couple tips? I can give you a couple tips. Yes, I've been watching absolutely. When, you get, when they throw the flag down for the start, you're yeah. going to be rolling already. Yeah. But watch the flag, and when the flag goes down, put the pedal to the metal and try to get down on the inside rail. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, that's what you want to do. Yeah. You oh, want to be okay. inside. Let everybody else go high and sliding and slipping around uh-huh. up on the high side. And you stay inside low and try to stay down low. Yeah. You'll have a lot of fun. And it's different when you hit buses <laughs> to buses. I did it one time, and it's different. And another thing I noticed that can happen if the if you're hitting front tires or something, you got to keep your thumbs out of the spokes in the steering wheel because it did spin on me, that steering wheel. With power steering, Yeah. that's steering wheel took off and it would snap your thumbs good advice because the wheel the only way to describe it folks is you're holding on the wheel and when it that front tire grabs something it's different and that wheel took off to i think i remember left or right it spun out and that wheel spun in my fingers really hard yeah and if i would have my thumbs inside like sometimes you drive you know like one on one hand and one hand on your your shifter or something like that it would have snapped my thumb okay so saturday night at proctor speedway what are they uh, billing this as Night of Mayhem or some Derby Mayhem. And it's or open to the public. Like Come on oh, up, get tickets. You gotta buy tickets. tickets. Yeah. Okay. It's, do, do they have. It, uh, last year they had like uh, all terrain vehicles and some other stuff that raced as well. There was so. like Enduros and there was like also trailers and that kind of stuff. But it was. It's quite interesting. And um, it's actually, if you've never seen it, it is hilarious. It is. It's the only time that people actually love to see buses bang each other, race, go on their side. They don't want to uh, see that when their kids are No, and it's reality. They would be upset, <laughs> unbelievable. But there it's like it just flicks the other way. Everybody becomes this Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Now, do they water down the race, of course? I know they do it for some enduro they car do. races. Proctor yeah, is pretty, do pretty wet down, oh, but man. last night it wasn't. It was tacked up, and it was, it was fast. All right. We have Tim Hurstead wants to chime in here. Tim. Now, Tim, first of all, tell us the date of this. Is it August 4th? August fourth at Proctor. Okay, and the the uh, gates open at what? For like five o'clock or something? Uh, I think they open them up at four o'clock. Uh, normally, a lot of people start filtering in. They have some entertainment and other things going on before then. Okay. Uh, but that way, they can get a lot of people in there without people being lined up, like we had one year when races were started and people weren't able to get in yet because they were in line. 
Now, see, Kenny, you can't embarrass us because they're going to announce you as driving bus so-and-so, uh, Kenny Callagher, part of the morning show on uh, Sound Off. Uh, you know, so you can't, you, you gotta, you gotta, you can't do what Tim's wife did last year. You can't play chicken a little and be way in the back. Ooh. She's going to be upset at you. Wife, <laughs> Not my strategies. I'm depending on my uh, crew chief, Tim Hurstead, to provide me with a mean, a lean uh, racing machine. Well, it'll well, be some I, junker. I lost, but... <laughs> mine, I lost mine last night in the wall. Oh, so what am I riding? We're going to build a new one between oh. now and then. Okay. Well, I trust you're like, building It's, it's uh, like NASCAR. <laughs> they just go into the garage and put another one together. All right, because I, I, I drive in the style of Ricky Rudd, honky tonk. <laughs> and I can tell you, the wall doesn't move. No, the wall, okay. wall does not move. Duly noted. Now, are you banged up a little bit this morning, are you? Uh, we're taking lots of aspirin. Uh, we have a fair amount of bruises that we didn't have yesterday. And, what am I uh, getting myself into here? Yeah, it's not good, Kenny. Well, we, You'll it, be all right. Was, Do I have to put on my hockey fast. gear? Uh, you ever heard of bubble wrap? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of bubble wrap would be good. Ay, ay, ay. The track was fast, and speed oftentimes equals an impact. Well, what did they say? Right. Speed kills. <laughs> hey, Tim, make sure I have four working brakes on that bus, please. Well, they do All ask four you. Wheels. Test, they do ask you <laughs> while you're warming up, test your brakes, right? Oh. They, they want to make sure you yeah, have some brakes. It's one of those things. Yeah, use the one in front of you as the brake power if you need to, too. <laughs> yeah, Pete's over here. Brakes are overrated, he says. Yeah. 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 Do the Barney yeah. Rebel. Put the feet through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Tim, what are they billing this uh, as? Is it, what do you call it again? It is a Midsummer Night of Mayhem. Midsummer Night of Mayhem? Yes. And uh, are the proceeds going anywhere uh, worthy? Yeah, to a hospital. (laughs) To pay your medical bills. I don't know. We're just there for bragging rights, you know. Are either one of you qualified to be the big wheel? And we saw the big wheel this we morning. Saw, One of your guys we, we brought it in. We saw it this morning. Yes, we we took pictures with it because that might be as close as these guys are going to get to winning it. <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of verbal jousting, shall we say? <laughs> well, this is fun. I know, uh, Pete. You've got your segment, uh, "Let the Sawdust Fly," and you have a guest. Yep. Now, it, it, Thanks, Tim, Tim. Tim, let me ask you one more question: Is Hanger lipping up again this year? Is he thinking he's going to win this thing, or what's the deal? Uh, hangers bound out because of some prior commitment I just found out. Oh, you just found that. Okay, yeah, so there I, you I go. I think yeah, he yeah. saw there was real competition, and uh, he tucked his tail and ran. I think so. That's okay. probably Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So who else you got in it besides these two uh, yahoos? Well, they're, they're going to be announced here in the next uh, few days. I'm okay. a confirmation before we go throwing their names out there. There are people throwing my wife's name out there. I'm not willing to do that yet. She hasn't She, she hasn't uh, said, hey, I'll come ride last like I did last year. <laughs> she was pathetic. Uh, oh, you're really big when you're not near her. <laughs> and I'm packing. <laughs> So is she. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I should know that. She can shoot better than you. Oh, I don't know about that. 
No, but uh, she should come out and run again. Maybe she would try to get up in the pack this year. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. I do think I am going to end up going to her facility for some adjusting. All right. Yeah, that would probably be a good thing. Have some bones checked out. Oh, man. Now you're scaring Kenny. Kenny Kenny thought this was going to be just a fun time out driving, taking a little truck. How many? You do 13 laps, don't you, or something like that? Uh, we were doing 12 laps. 12 laps. Okay. Yeah. For, for you don't. 13 doesn't work. That's not a good number. As a number no, in racing right. anything. You're right. You no. as many as to survive. Can you, put <laughs> the, can you put the number 13 on Kenny's bus? <laughs> in big we black can. letters. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Tim. Oh man! So, uh, so introduce your guest today. Okay, I, I know who Tim is, but okay. anyway, we're just having a little bit of fun there. But uh, I asked Tim Olson, a friend from Or area, and we both both grew up in the logging industry. Um, we're a little bit. I always I'm a little bit younger, but not a lot, but a little bit, very little. But uh, we're from small schools. We're we're 80 miles apart, roughly, and we're still in the same school district. So schools get to know people, oh, but yeah. the logging community is bigger than that. The logging community covers the whole state he grew up in the logging family and i grew up in the logging family when you get these small schools it can get a little bit when it comes to sports and get a little bit bitter rivalry you know you can get it gets that way just like anywhere sure but when it comes to logging if if somebody is up and or hurt somebody from canyon is going to head up that way to help them out if we can sure you you still come together and Tim has been in the business for a long time, his family. And I'd like Tim to talk about uh, what it was like in the ore area growing up. Yeah, please, Tim. Uh, think, thanks, Pete. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Kenny. Nice to be Brad. here today. Brad. Brad. Bruce was my Bruce. uncle. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, okay, sorry about that, He was that, a better Brad. golfer yeah. than me, too. <laughs> okay. Even though he had no uh, arms. <laughs> Yes, we did. We we grew up in the Orr area, and Pete and I, we were in the same school district, uh, even though we were far apart. Um, I was born in the logging business with my dad. He moved from Bemidji to Orr. So what Orr. was the high schools you guys went to? What I went to Orr High School. You went to Orr? Yep. And, uh, and, and Pete the, went to Cotton High School. Oh, you went to Cotton? Yes, okay. Yes. In the days, Cotton yep, yep. was a school. Stuff. Yes, yeah. Yep. The Cotton Cardinals? Cotton Cardinals and the Orr Braves. Orr Braves. Okay. Currently, now it's the Northwood, Northwoods Grizzlies. Okay. So they cook and Orr combined. Okay. But over the, you know, over the years, I mean, we started, uh, my dad moved, to, uh, moved from Bemidji to Orr, and he started a logging company. And so I grew up in the logging business along with uh, going to school in Orr. And uh, my brother and myself, we as we finished high school, I went on to college, and I uh, went to the junior college, Mississippi College, up in Virginia, and then went to the University of Minnesota on a football scholarship. Okay. And I decided, for some reason, I don't know, I had that uh, logging blood in me, where um, I walked away from the scholarship and went back up to Orr and got into the logging business uh, with wow. my brother and my dad in the ni- early 1980s. Can you imagine that he played. He could have played for the Gophers. How tall were you, Tim? I was six foot five. And how heavy? Listen to this. Well, when I graduated from high school, I was one eighty-five, and I got up to two sixty-five when I was going. Two sixty-five. Yes, and actually, um, yes. What position? I was a linebacker. 
Yeah, Boy. I played linebacker in college, and in junior college, I was about 235. What do you uh, go now, about 170 maybe? No, I'm about, uh, thank you for that. I'm about 220 right now. <laughs> Are you really that much old? Okay. Yes, yes, I'm, but thank you. Wow. So, how did how you How did you end up, uh, this is not anything to do with logging, but how did you end up dropping down from 260 down to where you are? Oh, it's work in progress. A lot progress. of work? Yes, yeah. it's a lot of, lot of exercise. Yeah, it is. Because I had a, uh, well, I have a son, a stepson, my wife's son, who uh, played football at Moorhead State. Mm-hmm. And he was a guard, a lineman, and he blew up to about 260, 270. He was shorter, 5'10", so. And that uh, was a lot of weight for him to carry, and he's not been able to drop it. In fact, he's up over 300 and some pounds now and just Oof. can't, you know, it's wow. a fight to take that off once you stop all the exercise. It is one of the one of the things that they, when I first went to the U, it was the first year they hired a, a weight coach okay. there and for weightlifting and to put on weight. And one of the things that he stressed was to eat a lot of peanuts and drink a lot of beer to put on weight. <laughs> so, My you know, God, it wasn't a, not a bad recruiting, <laughs> not, you know, at yeah. all. <laughs> what would even be better if they said, we provide it for you. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. the beer and peanuts you're going to eat. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, so what was the draw, Tim, that brought you back to logging? Was it the smell of sawdust? Was it the uh, the seasons out in the woods? What what kind of brought you back to it? You know, I think it was all of the above. You know, it was... Um Fond you know, memories, yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I grew up with it. You know, I mean, I remember peeling pulp when I was ten years old. My dad, you know, out in the woods, and you uh, had one of those two-handle deals. Yeah, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, done that myself. Yep. Actually, so and you know, there was just the small town atmosphere. You know, when yeah. we grew up, you know, three hundred people in R, and then I go down to Minneapolis, and there's three million people. Oh. It's you know, it's a big a little difference. tough to get used to. Yeah. yeah, so so it was just you know the small town. The area, the seasons, you sure. know, the, you know, it sounds cliche-ish, but the hunting, the fishing, and all that—it oh, yeah. was, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we just have a ball up there. It kind of gets in your blood and it never leaves, and never really does, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And you know, I mean, even with my current job I have now with Penn Quarry Supplies, uh, they let me get back into the forestry or, or take the forestry side of the company okay. and sell wear products into the logging community. And so I get to stay in touch with all the people that oh. I kind of grew up Fantastic. with and and it's 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 a wonderful thing it's it's really works out well. now um so so when you were when you were actually out logging i've asked pete this too i ask everybody that comes in because i'm curious what what's the strangest thing you ever saw out in the out in the woods when you were logging did you ever see a mountain lion or a cougar or whatever you want to call oh, it you know um i seen i seen a canadian lynx about one foot from a tail of a fox really? chasing across the road. I've seen that. Another thing that I've seen was uh, we were on a logging job, and there were some deer feeding actually right in the tops of the trees that my brother had fallen, you know, ready to be skidded, and there was timber wolves that were actually attacking the deer wow. while we were there and watching it. Yeah. Boy, so, most people do not get to see something like that. No, That's no, I mean, that was, that was pretty neat. And, you know, coming off the Echo Trail where we did a lot of work, too, one year there was a lot of snow, 
and we were coming down, leaving home, we were leaving work that evening, and it was it was dark out, and there was like five moose in the middle of the road, and they wouldn't leave the road. Wow. We, we must have trailed them for three, four miles before they finally found some place where they would leave the road, but that was pretty cool. Kenny, you, have you ever seen a live moose? You have. I, I've seen one uh, off in a swampy area off sure. one time, but most people... Probably in Minnesota, if you ask most people, they would have never yeah. seen a moose either for they, in, in they real life. They get really big. and I think it's the fall. They get really black. I can't remember. Isn't it like that, Tim? Mm-hmm. And they lumber kind of slow and looks like they're no coordination, clumsy. Yeah. But you can watch them go through, like, brush and everything. They'll throw their horns back and go through that brush, and it won't stop them. And that's through brush and everything, and it's amazing to watch. You know, yesterday we had this discussion pretty much all day long about Bigfoot, yeah. Sasquatch. So yeah. the question is, Tim, Pete, any Never signs? Seen. Any? Uh, Here we go. Uh, <laughs> well, because because the questions came up. Tony from Wrenchall. You met Tony? Have you ever met Tony? I think I have. You yes. might have. Yeah, at probably at a political deal of some kind. Yes. He's very conservative. Anyway, Tony sent me picture. I was at an event that he was at last night. He showed me pictures on his cell phone. He had something walk through his yard that left these massive footprints on his grass, and the grass has actually died under where the footprints were. And he showed me in the picture last night, the grass is brown, green all around him, and it has a gate of like four feet or more. The wow. gate between one step and the next step. And the question was, one of our callers called in and said, ah, that Bigfoot's a nun. That's a, nobody's ever found a dead baby Bigfoot. Nobody's ever found an old Bigfoot laying in the woods, rotting the diet of natural causes. So it would lead you to believe there's no such thing. What do you get? Have you ever seen any signs of anything like that in Whip the woods? Or there might have been, but I haven't seen that yet. You know, no, I haven't seen that. I'd got to, you know, plead the fifth if I would. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We've got to protect where we live. <laughs> well, there you go. But I imagine you've probably seen bobcats and stuff. They're fairly common. I've seen them out. How about fishers? You've seen uh, fishers? Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of that. You know, fisher, beaver, bobcat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, the told you about the lynx. You know, that was, you don't see that very often. No. no so, you But, you know, you see bear and, you know, you see pretty much everything. Sure. Yeah. Sure. There's one thing that has taken place, like up in the ore area with, uh, with the moose habitat. Remember, there's our probably about a year ago or six months ago about uh, moose were declining in population right. quite heavily. Right. And up where Tim is from, he used to see a lot of moose. Remember that, Tim, you are saying? Yep. Yeah, we we used to do when back in the middle 80s, what was called um, we cut for moose habitat as far as log for it. Okay. Where we would do 160 acre to 200 acre clear cuts. Wow. So basically we'd, we'd cut everything down flat in them areas where it would be it would help for the moose because you know they they have more food more more easier for them to get around and that all changed do you want me to get into that pete yeah that all changed over time it's kind of a neat story where the this was the federal government or federal forest service that was doing these sales and we would uh they came out one day the sale administrator and he says we got to start leaving bird trees out there so the hawks can land on the trees and then they can see oh, their okay. mice or whatever they yeah. you know and land okay and then it came to where they they came out uh, it was a little while later and they says we got to leave more trees we got to leave what's called a rub tree 
because as that moose is crossing that 160-acre clear cut, he might need to scratch his back. Sure. So he's got to rub rub his back on that tree. Because for those that don't know, moose pick up a lot of ticks and... uh, Sure, sure. You know, everything. Well, then it went from that to, well... We're going to start leaving a seven to eight, ten acre leave area within this 160 acre clear cut because as that moose travels across this, this clear cut, he might get tired and need to take a nap, need some shade. <laughs> so I guess the moral of the story, what it I'm trying to tell you is it, it went from that, it went from that to where they don't cut anymore. They don't cut anymore for moose habitat. Okay. So, you know, I mean, when you read a lot of stories about the theories of what can happen, yeah. well, I mean, they're not managing for it as far as on the logging side. No, they're not. And, and I have a theory on that, and I don't know you guys can comment on it, but my theory is that since timber wolves and wolves in general have become much more prevalent, uh, you know, if you are going, if you go out in the woods at night now, yeah, almost anywhere, you hear them howling. Yes. Uh, and mm-hmm. because, because moose are relatively slow and lumbering things, they can be hunted down by a pack of wolves. And I think that's where most of the decline in the wolf population has come, but I could be wrong, too. I, I think it, I, I personally believe it's a combination of a few things. One is like Tim is what Tim was talking about, having these big clear cuts where they truly were clear cuts, nothing left standing, and that's where the moose would thrive. Well, you'd have more moose thriving, more population getting stronger, and as you diminish that away, and the wolves are protected more and more, the wolf population incline yeah. increases, and so you have a where the moose is coming down, the wolves are coming up, and if you don't have, so to speak, I'm not a I'm not a moose person, but if 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 the herds are bigger, they will be stronger. Okay. Oh yeah. And when you have uh, uh, a wolves being stronger, the 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 maybe they're taking down more of the moose. And so we believe that more harvesting. We're not taking and cutting off thousands and thousands of acres no. in the same chunk. But it was habit. It was it was groomed for the moose. We do the same thing for like deer hunting. You take out small chunks of clear cut of like seven, ten, twelve acres, and but you plot it over the whole thing, and that's really good. And you do that over a forty-year period where you take chunks out and then you leave it. Ten years later, you come back and do another seven, ten acres. Well, this is a bigger area up in Tim's area where. They took out a lot of area, but as you diminish that, where's the moose? Yeah. We, we have got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour, but when we're away, think about this because this is a question I wanted to ask uh, a lot of times. When you're out in the woods logging, you, you get into that period of time during the year when you got deer season going on. How do you guys adapt or, or work with hunters that might be out in and around the area, or do you just stay out of the woods during deer season simply because it could be a safety uh, issue? So we'll talk about that when we come back. After this news break here on Sound Off in the Morning, 710 WDSM Radio. Updates brought to you by Lady O'Collins Emporium, 31 West Superior Street, a place of magic in downtown Duluth, 722-2240. That's Lady O'Collins Emporium. Giant Redwood, Blotch, the fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. Ah, 
I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. On Wednesday I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. He cuts down trees, eats his lunch. He cuts down trees and he eats uh, his lunch. I just start laughing every time. It's been what, almost two years? It's it been two been full years two now. Years. And I hear the song, I still laugh. I can't get it. But anyway, it's hilarious. But uh, anyway, anyway, folks, thanks. Um, you were okay, asking so I about asked the question. Yes. Yeah, d- during uh, deer hunting season, if I was a logger, I'd be a little suspect to be around people with guns out in the woods. So, what's the answer? What happens uh, during that period of time? It, a lot. Well, years ago, I live right on Highway 53, okay? And years ago, that highway would rumble for oh, yeah. a Friday of deer hunting. And it becomes, with loggers, it becomes like almost a sacred thing. It's unreal. Yeah. And uh, But I'm not really a hunter. I never did. But uh, Tim was a little bit of a hunter, you know, and... Uh, well, we'll take it from there. You know, as as uh, Pete and I were talking, his hair was too long to hunt, so probably getting yeah, in the way a little bit. They probably thought he was a wild yeah, animal. They probably exactly. thought he was Bigfoot out in the way. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, Pete is right. You know, it's basically a national holiday when it comes to the first two weeks there in yeah. November for deer hunting. And, you know, like I mentioned, is... Uh, it's a twofold thing. It's a transitional period for loggers. One is they're going to be hunting, and the other is they're waiting for the ground to freeze for winter okay. logging. So, and, and it, I would imagine it's a great time for fathers to bond with their kids too, to take their daughters and sons out hunting. Maybe they've got land themselves that they put a stand up on during the year, or maybe they've had a stand for a long period of time. They kind of watch the deer movement in areas, and they know where to hunt. And so yeah. I can see that. Yeah, they would probably be doing hunting. Mm-hmm. Themselves. No question about that. We have our own hunting cabin. We have 200 acres up uh, north, and we have a, a log cabin on it, and it's filled up every deer season wow. with, with you know all of our kids and friends. You know, maybe I can ask you guys to comment on that. Are you seeing a, a trend in, uh, uh, in hunting? Are we going away from that a little bit uh, as... Uh, you know, people people don't, I don't know, maybe they don't eat deer as much. When I was a kid, we ate deer a lot. I mean, it was part of our regular diet. But I, but I know a lot of people from the cities or even, you know, urban areas probably don't eat deer. I noticed, it seems like I've noticed, like, the highway is not quite as busy. Yeah. It seems like there is less hunters, less interest in it. Whether it's easier to get food from the grocery store or people are, don't want to walk in the woods or what. I mean, you, today you have technology where you have a good phone and you have reception. You should not get lost. No. You shouldn't because of all the technology you have today. But like uh, like we're talking off the air, like Tim up in the ore area, that seemed like it was almost pure orange or red or whatever you want to call it. Oh, it was back in, back, you know, years and years ago. It used to be the town was just, it was thriving. The whole sure. town would be red. Grocery stores would be packed with people that were buying stuff to take to their hunting shacks yes, and things. And, yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, but it, it has. I, I noticed there was a story in the uh, Minneapolis Star today, in fact, about uh, the DNR is trying to entice people back into hunting because they want to make sure that they cull a herd of about 200,000 whitetail a year mm-hmm. because they say if they don't do that, population grows too fast and then you get into disease and you know other issues that deer herds have. So Yeah, that 
That, that's right, too. And, but, you know, one thing I think we, we don't realize is we're talking rifle season. And, you know, after rifle season, there's a black powder season. Yeah. And before that, you know, there's you have bow season from, you know, the middle of September on. Oh, so, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people in the woods, too. So. I have uh, I have some veteran friends of mine that are disabled from their service or whatever, but they still love to hunt. And they, they have gotten permission to use a crossbow uh, because they can pull it back and, and control it. And, and they've told me, Brad, there's nothing like being out in the woods in the fall before it gets too cold and you can be out there with nature and there's not a whole lot of people out there with you. It's just... It's really nicer. like a crisp transition time. It's yeah. it's really something, and that's what us loggers are. We we love it out there. You have to to do it, and 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 the in the the hunting, it seems like yeah, it has changed a bit, but it's hard to describe. Do do they want to hunt more or what? But it just seems like it's dropped a little to me. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I think you hit it on the head a little bit, Peter. I think that part of it is that uh, uh, normally families don't eat that much venison anymore, especially ones in the urban areas um, down in the cities or whatever. Some of them don't like the taste of it. Even here, I've talked to processors, uh, people that process the meat, and they say people don't want it straight. They want hamburger. They want it mixed with beef or they want it mixed with pork they want to ground up differently they don't necessarily like the taste of venison by itself yep that that's true you know and i mean a lot of times guys are doing it on their own now hunters are or they have their special butcher that they go to yep you know that guy would have their recipe what they'd want and so you know everybody's kind of particular on that sure and will not give out their recipe <laughs> well, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, as as we transition now. Uh, uh, right now is uh, I, I would imagine a great time to be in the woods, except it's pretty hot to do that kind of physical labor, right? Yeah, it's you know, it's twenty years ago it was really warm. Yeah, you know, because there's a lot of chainsaws in the woods. You don't find a lot of chainsaws in the woods anymore. You know, t- talk about that a little bit because you're right. You'd you'd think people would say, "Well, everybody's modernized today. They got chainsaws." No, if they're modernized, they got feller bunchers. And- right, feller bunchers, delimmers, stroke delimmers, grapple skidders. They're all air conditioned. They all have radios. They're you know. They're very expensive. You oh, know, yeah. they, they cost a lot of money. So Pete and I were just had the discussion earlier about a dilemma. And, you know, he says, boy, he says, it's hard. He says, if I could have a chainsaw operator, he says, that chainsaw costs $1,000 or that dilemma is going to cost me about $400,000. So, and there's no payments on the chainsaw in spring breakup. No, so, no, you know. no. And you've got to, you've got to put down a lot of trees to make a dilemmer worth the, the cost, I would think. I suppose there are some big operations that that makes sense in. Oh, absolutely. You know, most, uh, you know, just about all the operations have delimmers now, stroke delimmers and feller bunchers. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You go into the Wisconsin area, that's a little bit different. But in Minnesota, um, you're, you're, it's pretty much mechanized now. Now, how about, uh, we've talked about this in the past, Pete, uh, the markets. Are the markets getting any easier for, for the uh, product? 
Um, right now, we still have quite a glutton of wood in the piled up from last winter because winter was so good. And so it's probably going to take till uh, August or so, maybe a hair more, and as maybe a hair more. And then as that filters out, it'll be back to where the logging will start to pick up again. Okay. But a lot of loggers and loggers out there listening, it, yeah, it's going to be a little slow and it, it bothers a person, but it'll, it cycles. It always cycles. If you have tremendous winters, you're going to have a slow summer. It just automatically happens because you have this glutton of wood out there. The thing about this last winter was it was so excellent. The, the ground was frozen, not much snow. But the other thing that we haven't had in the past as much as we do today is the speed of the machines. Oh, the machines sure. are so much better, so much faster, so much stronger. Huh. And so instead of a, a six-man crew or, let's say, a 10-man crew move in, 20,000 cords this winter, maybe they did 30, maybe 35, and it increased that much because the machines in the 80s that would cut off a tree in, uh, let's say, four or five seconds, you know, just cutting it off will do it now in a second, you see? So it's a combination of many things, but eventually it, it, it works around, but it will pick up again as far as the harvesting the trees, but it's going to be slow, and then it'll take off again. You know, the other thing that some people don't understand is when you're piling up wood product uh, to to sell later on down the line, and you got, you know, like you said, last winter you were able to cut a lot because it was ground was frozen hard and it was cold, but you don't get paid for that until you actually take it to the mill, right? So you might have it sitting there six months, but it's not you're not getting any money for it. No, you don't. When you we have a very nice yard at home, and other loggers have nice yards. I can only speak for myself, but other loggers, there's a lot of loggers that have their own yards and you pile it up and you have it on a road where you can haul it anytime it's on a 10 ton road and yeah when you bring wood into your yard and you pile it up you have not only your labor your stumpage everything into it it sits on the yard you do not get paid until after you bring it to the mill and then when you bring it to the mill it takes time for all the paperwork to go through Mm. so you may not see your money for i think it's two or three weeks three weeks after you bring it, and it's it's a, then it's a weekly paying or whatever electronic. It's all electronic. You think, well, we go to the mail, we got to bring it by carrier pigeon or something like that. No, <laughs> it's just as modern as anybody else out there. It's electronically transferred, you know. Sure. But yeah, you will sit on. You can sit on many, many, many thousands, thousands, and thousands of dollars, and yeah. even in the millions, on your own money, on your own wood. Now, is is that? Is that even somewhat different, the electronic mailing part of it, different than it used to be? Because I remember when I worked in the woods for my uncles in Brookston area, we we would work all week to take two truckloads to Cloquet, but they would get paid immediately because they turned around and gave me, you know, I, I, I here I was a 17-year-old kid and I was getting a $100 bill from my week's work and I thought wow why would I do anything else yeah why would I want to do anything else man <laughs> it, it, it is something but uh, that remember I used to call that whiskey popple yeah. years ago, yes. a couple of years ago or whatever it was and uh, no you don't get the paycheck anymore what you do when you bring a load to a mill you do get a slip of paper like a 9 by 3 or whatever and it prints out and it tells you everything about the load who brought it the day weight, uh, weight yeah. axles you have to have all the information down make sure it's down and that you take home but that's just a copy of what you brought, okay? okay? And they all do it. And then what happens at the end of a week, whenever a mill has their, it could be a Tuesday or a Sunday or whenever it is, sure. they're cut off, and then you start your next week. That You hold that piece of paper, and then it will electronically transfer money probably about three weeks after that okay. for that week. 
Okay. Okay, and some some mills will do it biweekly. All right, uh, but uh, you 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 will get a hard piece of copy through the mail of the printout of what you brought, but the actual money itself it goes right to your does not go in the mail at all. It goes no, to your not financial institution, exactly. wired there or whatever. Right. Okay. Well, guys, uh, it has been a pleasure having the two of you in, Tim Olson and, uh, of course, Pete. Uh, I, I had one last question for you, Pete. Are you going to be able to uh, – are you still going to have that uh, event up at the old Cotton School this year like you oh, did last year? yeah, Linda Wright. Uh, yeah. yeah, she is coming from the is House of really? Blues again. It's yeah. going to be in September. I forget when, but uh, we could talk about that next time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, she is that. coming back. Uh, Linda Wright up at the old Cotton School, old school lives. It's a fundraiser to keep the lights on and the gas paid is what it is. Well, and she was a superb entertainment. She's an right. old bluesy uh, lady out of where, Louisiana somewhere, uh, I think? New Orleans, yes. New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, if uh, she can really say. My wife and I went up last year and we had a great time. It was just, uh, the place was a jumping when she was entertaining. She was quite the entertainment. A bunch of reserve Norwegians and that had to yeah, come alive. They I were guess standing up, clapping, and going. Scandinavian or whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you two guys for coming in. Kenny, we got to take our last break of hour number two.